open up your chest and you learn how to feel A big, bleeding heart go dump, dump, dump And a big old love, that's how you overcome Life slip, come down, now to keep it real Open up your chest and you learn how to feel A big, bleeding heart go dump, dump, dump And a big old love, that's how you overcome Tick, tick, we wishing Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you're tuned into Glory Podcast. It's your host, Monk. We coming at you with another episode, obviously. <laughs> um, today's episode is going to be a Q&A episode. I haven't done one of those in a long time. I got some good questions we'll get into couple of reminders go get the honor to the name single if you haven't got that yet um i'll give you bonus points if you can figure out who the vocal samples are from you got two two samples from two different people on the vocals there so if you can figure out who that is get at me and i might give you a special prize again sidewalk album that's been out go get that like, share, and subscribe on all your platforms and all your socials and do, you know, do your thing to help shed, share this message. If it's helping you, it helps others. So take a picture of it, post it on your socials. Let everybody know what you're listening to. If you want to be a guest, get at me. Send me a private message on Instagram or you can email at glorymusic glory at gmail.com. Uh, other things, new new stuff. Uh, accuser single that's dropping on november 1st so get that beat the beat on that one is uh my boy t-raw put that beat down and killed the beat so you gotta yeah you gotta get that um there's gonna be a link there's a link in the show notes about where to go to reserve your copy all right so getting into it today doing some q and a so first question what's better Cardio or resistance training? So first of all, I did an episode on cardio, different types of cardio. So you can go check that out if you want to get more granular about cardio and cardiovascular training and training different energy systems and things like that. Now, granted, you got to take all this with a grain of salt. I'm not a certified personal trainer, but I am a dude. I train athletes for a living, but again, I train athletes for a living for the sake of performing in particular sports. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, in this case, basketball, track and field, and football. Mostly basketball. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. There are always people that are a little more granular and a little have a little bit more expertise than myself. However, I will say this. Um, if you're asking about what is better... Like neither one is necessarily better. It's all going to depend on your particular goals, your particular life circumstances, and um, all of these really, really, really specific things. If you have a choice, if you're having to choose between one or the other, like I'm always just like, bro, you need to do both. You need to do resistance training and you need to do your cardio. And this is one thing where CrossFit has been really good for people because they've put together workout programming that's able to essentially marry the two together. You can get in your resistance training while you're doing cardio altogether now. 
thing is, if you are trying to just get stronger, combining the resistance training with your cardio, if you if you've been sitting on the couch for for 10 years and not doing it and done anything, you will get stronger then. But let's say you're someone like me, you're already an athletic dude, you've been training and you want to get in the sole purpose of I'm trying to get stronger. I'm trying to get those numbers up, marrying your resistance training and your cardio together in like a CrossFit type model. You're probably not going to get very much stronger. Those numbers are not going to go up, but you'll get really good at doing CrossFit, for example. Um, or let's say you have a goal like you, you want to run a marathon. You're trying to get your cardiovascular system up to that level. Uh, obviously like doing something like that, that's not necessarily going to help your cardio in that realm either. You're getting in cardio, but then you need to specialize more. So I'm always like, man, do both. But it depends on what your particular goals are. You know, for me personally right now, my goals are simply I'm trying to maintain and regain athleticism as I am aging. So that requires me strength to be strong and long strength through length. So I'm having to maintain and um, even increase my flexibility and then increase my strength through those ranges of motion. So that requires very specific types of training on my part. But in the midst of that, I'm training mostly basketball athletes. And then I like playing basketball myself. So there's a high level of cardiovascular fitness that is required for that as well. So I do a little bit of cardio every day, and then I have my specific strength-based movements um, that I do in my training cycle. However, I am not marrying, like I'm not doing in like a CrossFit style where I'm doing my resistance training as part of the cardio and marrying those two things together. I have my session with my movements, you know, let's just take for example, if I'm doing an upper body day. Right, I'm gonna do some. I'm gonna do some weighted ring push-ups. I'm gonna do some push press or shoulder press. I'm gonna do some curls. I'm gonna do some tricep extensions, and I'm gonna do some core work. And then after I do all that, then I might have eight to ten minutes of really hard cardio, and then boom, call it a day. Um, <clears throat> but I think it it all depends on your situation. So, um. I would say for most people, for most adults, if you're, you're close to my age, you listen to this, for most people, if you have a very sedentary lifestyle, right, you're sitting around all day, you don't get a lot of steps in your job, and you don't have much control over that, that actually resistance training might be better for you simply because, and here's the reasoning, when you're doing that resistance training, your strength training, you're building more muscle, that's going to increase your metabolism. So you are burning more throughout the day, which according to that type of lifestyle is probably better for you than if you are just training straight cardio. You know, cardio, what it does, it's again, great for your heart, great for your vascularity, great, just great for your system. However, what happens with cardio is you your body actually starts training to be more efficient, meaning it's burning so many calories when you're doing that cardio that when you're in a resting state, your body is like, hey, don't burn as much energy. I need to be more efficient. 
Therefore, um, if you have a job where you're not moving a whole lot and you don't move around a whole lot throughout the day, you're actually going to be burning less calories sitting there because you're doing all of that cardio, which means you're going to have to ramp up your cardio even more. So just from an efficiency standpoint, if we look at a kind of the typical American job or the typical American workplace, resistance training might be better. However, I don't think either one's better either or. I think you need to do both. You just got to figure out a way to do both. I'm going to wet the whistle here. I will say this, though, with cardio, <clears throat> doing like your traditional long, slow distance or whatever, the best type of cardio you can do involves something called heart rate variability, meaning you get the heart rate up real high, then you rest and have to bring it down, and then you get it up high again and have to rest and bring it down. So doing like interval training or doing... You can look this up, fartlek training, like with running, while you're running a sprint for a little bit, and then you rest, and then you run a longer distance for a little bit, and then you might rest a little bit, or you're going a certain amount of time at a certain pace faster, and then you go a certain amount of time at a lot of a lot slower pace. Right, this creates heart heart rate variability, and studies have shown that people with the best with the Heart rate variability, that's the best, have the lowest risk of like heart attack and cardiovascular disease. So it's this idea of your heart being able to pump blood at different rates at different times and being able to change gears. So think of it this way. If your body were a car, um, heart rate variability would be like the difference between having a three-speed manual transmission or a six-speed manual transmission. If you have a six-speed transmission, right, you're going to be a lot more healthy overall. So that's just something to think about. But yeah, cardio versus resistance training, bro, do them both. Do both of them, right? Most people you need a little bit, unless you're just training for something super specific, you got to do both of them. <clears throat> Next question. That was a good question. Next question, what kind of career should a young man pursue? Again, there's not a right answer to this. Um, I will say this. If you're doing it solely for the paycheck, uh, you need to recheck your priorities. You need to reprioritize. Because ultimately, like money is a great tool. Here's the thing. Money is a great tool. But you'll understand this, especially when you get married and have a family. Um, you can be bringing home the bacon in all these phases, but if you're unhappy in the work that you do, or you feel like the work that you do compromises your integrity, that is a much greater burden that your family has to bear. They bear the weight of that. So you might be better off taking a little bit of a pay cut and doing something um, you feel solid about. That's what I would say. But there's not a right or wrong answer to what type of career you should pursue. Uh, I think what this particular person is asking is though, like, um, are there manly jobs or not manly manly jobs? There's there's not like that's that's a myth. Um, you do need to provide for your family, but um, being present for your family is huge. And you know, this is something in my line of work I struggle with. Especially, you know, when I first got into coaching is I, I would be gone so much in season and my kids were, you know, 
small, they're still small, but like small, you know, like first being like newborns and me being gone and that killed me. You know, that that was really, really hard. But the trade off was, you know, I got a lot of time in other parts of the year with them. And, you know, I'm at least home every day. Like I'm not traveling gone for months at a time they at least and they might have seen me a lot during some of these long days but they'll at least see me every day and that's something to think about um but i know just what <coughs> excuse me with the way the economy is and the economy is changing this you know and i've talked about it in a previous episode you know the god of the economy and the college degree episode i did with tango Y'all check those episodes out. Like, college degree isn't a golden ticket like it was in the 90s. So I was a kid in the 90s, but, you know, like, you know, like in the early, mid-90s, like, if you had a college degree, it didn't matter what your degree was in, that was basically a golden ticket. It was going to get you a big, it was going to get you a big money job doing something, um, and you'd be able to make your living around that, um, but now with so many people having degrees and the higher costs of um, higher education, um, that might not be the best move for you to go get a college degree uh, for a variety of reasons. My my advice on that is always if you're if the trade, if you know the trade that you want to get involved in or the type of work you want to get involved in requires a college degree, then yes, go get it. You know, so lawyers, doctors, teachers, ironically, right. You, know, you want to be a teacher in the public school system, right? You're going to get a $200,000 degree and then, you know, make $35,000 a year to start, you know, um, $35,000 to $40,000 a year probably to start. And that's, that's kind of the nationwide average. Some states are lower, but you got to think about those things. Um, good thing with like, if you're going into the teaching field, they're usually program, um, like I'm on a public employee payback program. Like, I'm not going to get close to paying off the full amount of what I actually owe on my student loans. The trade-off is, is like, you pay a um, a certain amount per month, you make 120 payments on that amount, and they forgive the rest of the loan. All right, they got programs like that for public employees because they see, like, oh, um, <clears throat> obviously on your public salary, you're not going to be able to, get close to paying what a full college degree costs nowadays. And that's part of the problem. People say, oh, you're cheating the system, or I'm like, that's that's not cheating the system. The, the problem is why why are college degrees so expensive now? Right? When I started college, right, tuition room and board was sixty five hundred dollars a year at the institution I got my bachelor's degree from. By my senior year Tuition, room, and board was $13,000 a year. It doubled in four years. And then fast forward five years from there, that same de- yeah, that same cost per year was $21,000 a year. Now that same cost, the same place where I graduated from in 2004 is now $35,000 per year. And that's normal. So anywho, just think about that. Um, my deal too, there, we are in desperate need of skilled trade and skilled labor in our country. We need electricians. We need carpenters. We need um, plumbers. 
you know, all of those skilled trades where you don't have to get a four-year degree. You can go apprentice somewhere. You can go get licensed and bonded, and you can make big money doing that stuff and being able to work with your hands and learn a skill. And that's really the most important thing for a man is learning a skill because through that learning of skill, you learn the self-respect and the validation builds the character you need to actually feel adequate as a man and as a provider. Now, the deal is with the way the culture has kind of conflated itself was like, oh, well, if you're a plumber, you're an electrician, you're a carpenter. These aren't high status jobs. But I'll tell you this. I was raised in a household. My dad was an electrician. He didn't have that high status, but he made twice as much money that I did working this low status job. And he can contract out his services because it's a skill a skill that translates to all these different industries, right? He can contract out that work to work in any any type of realm he wants to because it's a skill that's in high demand. So one of my recommendations, though, like what type of work should a young man pursue? Or don't deny these skilled professions, right? Skilled trades. I know people now with big money college degrees that were working with their soft skills and using things to get their degrees, right? Well, the, those industries are dying a little bit, and now they're getting certified in skilled labor. So someone who has a master's degree in international business, for example, that I know is now working as a carpenter. So there's not a right or a wrong to what type of career should a young man pursue. It's just like, are you going to be able to... <coughs> Excuse me, this allergy stuff is killing me right now. It happens to me every year around this time. Um, but at, what kind of career should a young man pursue? There's no right or wrong answer. It's just basically, are you going to be in your integrity when you work that job? Are you going to make enough to provide f your needs? So for me, like we, we as a family have been able to do that. You know, we, we've been living on a one teacher salary for 10 years, but we understand what our needs are, you know, and there's certain provisions you make for those needs. You know, there's certain sacrifices I make to provide for those needs. My wife as well. Like you can get by on a lot less if you understand what you really need. So that's something to consider. But whatever level of lifestyle you desire <coughs> is the career you're pursuing going to be able to provide for that lifestyle. And the people that are under you while maintaining or attaining that lifestyle. Are you going to be in your integrity when you do it? And then secondly, is this something like day in and day out, like you're going to be feel good about? Um, there's going to be happiness in your life because you can make a big money job and be very, very unhappy. And again, if you're a man with a family or you desire to be a man with a family one day, say you're a single dude and then eventually roll into that. Like you're like you you got to be happy and you got to feel good about what you do, like that's that's the main thing. Um, my advice for single dudes out there though, like hey maybe maybe it's a time where you just go grind on this job you really don't like for two or three years, save up a bunch of money and then find an exit strategy to find something that you really really love doing as you kind of set your sights on settling down and starting that family. Right, that's that's another way of looking at it. Again, I'm not an expert on this. I'm just a dude that's gone through it. 
I've worked in a bunch of different fields and settled into one that provides me a good living. It's not as much money as I could be making, but it provides value into the things that I value. I value as a leader in my family, my wife values, and it allows us times to actually raise our kids and be involved in our community. <clears throat> All right, good question. Uh, what should I read? Next question. What should I read? Fiction or nonfiction? <laughs> with these uh, dichotomies here, with these um, red pill or blue pill, um, red or blue questions. Like, bro, read both. It's never either or. It's always both and more. As we say, should I read fiction or should I read nonfiction? Read both. They're both helpful, but let's break down kind of each concept. Reading nonfiction is important because it exposes you to raw facts, raw data, real life, which is awesome. Um, and so being exposed to these different ideas and allowing yourself to become more culturally literate allows you to you don't have to be an expert in every field but um reading a lot of nonfiction, and i read a lot of nonfiction allows you to be able to participate in a lot of different conversations you might not be an expert in that but if you've read you know if you read a couple books on this and a couple books on that you are more well versed than the person next to you and you can hold your own in a conversation or hold your own and just having a general knowledge of things um, to a greater degree. And that's the benefit of reading nonfiction. Um, biographies and autobiographies are huge on this too, because you are getting and distilling all that distilled wisdom and life lessons from people who have been very, very successful. So it's like, you might not have been able to sit under, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> trying to think of a Michael Jordan, right? But you go read an autobiography or a biography of him and you get those little nuggets. It's almost the next best thing to sitting under him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sitting under him, like physically being there, you get those little nuggets, that distilled wisdom to see how that person operated. And those are the benefits of reading nonfiction. All right, reading fiction, though, fiction it requires your brain to process information in a different way. Fiction is important, and this is why I say read both, because fiction exposes you to story. And story is important because everybody we run into has a story about how they've arrived here and why they act the way they act. But also, story helps you recognize patterns. So if you're reading stories that are fiction, it actually causes you to wrestle with archetypes. It wrestles with the subconscious things going on behind the scenes in your own brain, your own mind and spirit. And then, yes, you recognize patterns when you read fiction. You're able to see them play out in the world around you, and it gives you, one, a better idea of how to operate, but two, to me, reading fiction is like food for dealing with people and food for creative ideas and creative pursuits. So for me as an author, usually when I'm gearing up to write something, I'll just have a hunger for a lot of fiction. And then out of that hunger, usually the next project is born. And typically, though, I read fiction and nonfiction at the same time. Typically, I'm reading 
one general nonfiction book of personal interest, a general nonfiction book related to my field, and then I read some type of fiction on top of that. So I'm usually reading three books at the same time. That frustrates some people, but that's just my process, that's how it works. But you should read fiction, you should read nonfiction. My challenge to you would be if you've been reading mostly nonfiction, try to read some fiction. Open up that different side of your brain and your spirit and engage with it. If you've been reading mostly fiction, go read some nonfiction. Open up that different side of your brain and your spirit. All right. Good question. Okay, next one. The biggest problem plaguing plaguing men or boys currently. Well, that's a tough one. You aren't pulling any punches with these questions. I don't know if there's one singular biggest problem, but I can point to a couple that I see. Um, having been an educator now for the better part of 10 years, that, that plague boys and men. And then, because <clears throat> you see the results of it, you know, and then raising a son of my own, he's still little, but you kind of see, he's old enough now where I see the influence of having me in his life plays. I think the biggest problem current, well, the biggest problem currently is men don't know who they are in God. So we've lost the masculine presence of spirituality in most of our society. And so now masculinity is taking this place of <coughs> being quote unquote toxic. Um, Masculinity in and of itself is not toxic. Masculinity that goes too far in one way becomes toxic, but masculinity in and of itself is not toxic. Masculinity removed from God or removed from the divine presence becomes toxic because then you don't become a full man, right? We don't want to just be masculine. We want to be masculine, but we also want to be complete people, And so there is masculinity that is necessary, but there's a femininity that men have, um, a tenderness, a compassionate side, an empathetic side that also balances that. And so what I see, though, is this, we see a lack of fathers in the home, we see a lack of nuclear families, and regardless of that, you see a lack of God-centered households. Right. Even if you do have a nuclear family, which can help alleviate a lot of the problems we see just having a nuclear family in general, even when we do have nuclear families, it's not centered around God. It's centered around the economy, production, high achievement. So I think the biggest problem plaguing boys or men currently coming up is that aspect right there of Lack of fathers in the household, and then a lack of um, being f- God focused. So, say even if your father's in the household, his focus might have been solely on providing and making money, not stewarding, um, being a spiritual leader in the household, focusing on that relationship with God, and then not only modeling that for the kid, for the kids and the wife, but also teaching that. And there are different ways. Each family's um, different. Each situation is different. I understand that. But that, to me, is what I see plaguing people. So, um, And this oscillates between two sides. We see boys that are over-feminized, meaning they don't learn that their masculine qualities are right, holy, and good. And so 
instead of allowing the boys to go through some of the hard things, right? And this is this is especially the role of a father. Um, it comes a point when um, boys get a little older, <clears throat> older that yeah, you still want to maintain that relationship with the mother, but you need to come under the tutelage of your father. And so, right, there's times where mommy doesn't need to come in and solve the problem for you. Mommy doesn't need to come in and be, oh, my poor baby, all sympathetic. It's like, no, mommy needs to leave you there. Daddy needs to leave you there and let you go through this hard situation. And then daddy can teach you. Here's how you address this hard situation you're in, son. Right. You don't go screaming to mommy because this this thing is hard. You got to learn how to deal, find a solution and be solution oriented. The other part of that is, though, when you are going through something hard, you know, men understanding that, yeah, it's okay to express, hey, this is hard right now. But it's this difference. And I talked about it in the four agreements episode. Uh, Don Miguel Ruiz says, you know, there's this being a warrior so a warrior doesn't ignore his emotions, but a warrior can <clears throat> forego expressing that emotion, hold that tension with the emotion, and then allow that motion, emotion to be released in the proper time. And this is one of the things we are not teaching boys, right? We're either they're over-emotional all the time, acting like a woman, and not knocking women that you're over emotional, but women are more given to expressing their emotions and they're not even necessarily required to hold them in. Um, and we could get into different reasons behind that later. But men, right? So when, when boys learn that and they get over emotional all the time and everything causes an emotional breakdown, emotional reaction, oh, we got to be gentle because we want to worry about their feelings. Okay, that's cool. Yes, acknowledge your feelings. But if we're so wrapped up in feelings that we can't get a job done, we are not teaching you what you need to do to be responsible as a man, you know? And we teach this every day with the kids that I coach, like, Especially like after game nights, one of the things we emphasize is y'all have to show up the next day after the game. Yeah, you got home late. Yeah, you're not going to want to feel like being here. You might be angry that we lost or whatever. Or you might be happy that we won and just want to spend the day celebrating. Well, guess what? We got practice the next day. You got class the next morning. You need to show up because there are so many days as a man where, hey, I don't necessarily feel like doing anything, but I got to get up and do it because I have responsibilities. And ultimately with those responsibilities, it means that the, your actions, your feelings and your ability to express them, withhold them or express them in the right manner affects other people. That's the biggest thing we are allow our boys to live in this egocentric universe where it's all about getting what they want, being consumers. And we aren't teaching boys that like, Hey, you got to start producing things. You got to start being, you got to take the life jacket off yourself and start swimming. That way you can give the life jacket to someone else. To use a metaphor, my boy, um, Caleb used on a previous episode. Yeah. But you got to be able to swim on your own a little bit. And this is what we're not doing with our with our boys currently. And then you have men who have grown up that way, who are either a overly emotional and can't get anything done or B, they hide from their emotions 
and live under this false mask of hypermasculinity, which devolves into <clears throat> nothing but violence and all the problems that comes with it. And this is the quote unquote toxic masculinity that you see people talking about in the media. Masculinity is not toxic. It's, it's neutral, but if you're too far one way or the other, that's the problem. You have to find a balance. So masculinity is good. We have to learn that, yes, there is an aspect of aggression to it. There's a time to be stoic and withhold our emotions, but there's also a proper time to express our emotions. There is a time to be hard-nosed and to go through something, but there's also a time to be kind and compassionate. And so not having the proper balance of that I think is the one of the key things that's afflicting our men and boys. But part of that comes from a generation of men and boys being raised without seeing that balance. And then the other problem is you have a generation where there's just not two parents in the household. All right. And then on top of all of that, we are keeping our commitments to God, being spiritual leaders of our household and of our family. So this is why like, um, you guys that work in the public or you volunteer in your communities, like there's so many households where there's not a father present. Um, and so you have to stand in and be the model of that for these young men coming up and for these boys coming up. So they at least have something, some type of example to look towards as they become men themselves. Um, because ultimately, ultimately a strong society, um, is based around strong families and you don't have strong families if you don't have strong fathers and strong fathers doesn't mean hyper masculine, like violent fathers. It means fathers who are whole, complete people, right? And a whole, complete father men like, yeah, I know when I need to take a punch. I know when I need to throw a punch. I know also when I need to be kind and generous, I'm gentle and compassionate and loving and tender, right? All of these things, like you can be both. And that is to me what I think the biggest thing plaguing men and boys in these days. But you got to get yourself right with God, basically. So what it comes down to. And last one, it says the youth, millennials, Gen Z thoughts. So I think this person... One, they use this phrase millennials and they don't, don't even um, they don't even know what they're talking about in terms of millennials and how the generations work. Because I'm a millennial, technically, if you put me into when I was born, I'm 36 years old. I have, I have two kids. Um, very little about my life looks like a stereotypical millennial. So I think that gets conflated a lot of times when people are saying millennials this, millennials that, millennials. Y'all are getting millennials confused with Gen Zers. Um. So whatever the case is, um, I think whatever generation you're referring to, they have really, really good qualities. They really do. Um, Because there's a heart of service that is present in these generations coming up that was not present when I was coming up, was not necessarily present, say, in my parents' generation. It was all about, hey, do the thing, check the boxes off. (coughs) Excuse me. That way... um, Right. You can make your money and have this nice lifestyle, you know, and I'm overgeneralizing here. It's very nuanced. So don't get it's not really like that monk. I'm like, bro, I'm, I'm generalizing to give you an example. So chill out. 
trolls. But anyway, um, the emphasis now is on um, what you can bring to the world, not necessarily like how much money you can make. Um, but what comes with that, it comes with a lot of pressure. So kids today put a lot more pressure on themselves because we've bought them and they've been sold to this idea that everybody has to change the world. Everybody has to have a world-changing idea. Everybody has to have a world-changing narrative arc to their life, um, right? Just for sake of the metaphor, in whatever field you're in, you got to be the next LeBron James. You got to be the next this. You got to be the next that. And there, there's this comparison trap. So it's this thing that we've sold them. It's like not only do you need to be good at what you do, it has to be you have to live your passion. Right. Instead of just, bro, I don't know what I'm passionate about. Why don't I go do this thing? See if I'm good at it. See if I like it. And then just become really good and proficient in the thing that I'm doing. Instead, it's become you have to be the best at it and then you have to change the world through it. And this is the pressure um, these current generations coming up are living under. Uh, the second thing about it is. And they're one brilliant because they're exposed to so much information, so much more information. I was exposed to so much more information. My parents' generation was exposed to. So you think if you're coming up in this generation where there's information everywhere all the time, we see how it's making the older generations go absolutely crazy. So you're a kid navigating or you're a young man, young woman navigating this age of information and you haven't lost your mind yet. That's commendable. And so what I know in working with working with youngsters is their ability to receive and process information is unprecedented. It's a superpower. And I think we need to steward and encourage that and turn that um that processing speed that these kids have into something that they can turn into output so it's not so overwhelming. I just think it's a thing of every generation's different. And we look at the weaknesses of the generation before us and say, oh, the world's going to hell in the handbasket. No, it's not. It's just different. Things change. People change. Generations change. Your parents are saying the same thing about your generation before you had kids. Now we're saying the same thing about the ones coming up underneath us. So our job being the patriarchs and the matriarchs is we're trying to build something that's going to make it better for them coming up. I'm not trying to take, take, take and get what's my, I've already got everything I need. So I'm trying to build something that is going to allow them to succeed to a higher level. I want my ceiling to be there for that should be the goal as a patriarch, as a matriarch, of the, for the generation coming up underneath us. I mean, this crap about, well, millennials are blah, 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 or Gen Zers are blah, blah, blah. Like, bro, stop it. We're all together in this. Let's learn how to work together and use each other's strengths to everyone's advantage. All right? And that is all I'm going to say about that, as Forrest Gump would say. <clears throat> so that's all I got. 
for the Q&A today. But if you got any other questions, right, shoot them to me. You can um, DM me on Instagram or just comment on a post and it might make it into a future episode. Again, always hope this was beneficial to you. All peace and blessings to you from the most high. It's your boy, Monk, and I'm out. Peace.